0: Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian
1: Carroway. And Lisa Bates. What's
2: up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight.
1: Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun.
0: Get it? Like MMA, but amazing?
1: Amazing. Radio.
2: Welcome to It's I'm Amazing Radio, I'm Dr. Law, and I love it when a plan comes together, except it really didn't. And I know you guys come to us for the hot off the presses references, and a show from 1981 is definitely what you guys are coming to us for, those kind of references.
1: I mean, there was a movie starring one Rampage Jackson, that's
2: tangentially relevant to our topics. I just want to say, by the way, uh, that was a good movie. Okay, let let me rephrase that. For what it was... That was a good movie. They flew a tank. They flew a fucking tank. They parachuted a tank. Good movie. Talking about the <laughs> What the folks. hell is
3: this podcast right now?
2: <laughs> this is the first podcast in weeks where we're not blowing Trader Joe's for the first five minutes. That's what this is.
3: <laughs> I, I desperately want, whoever this is your first listen to this podcast, please one, stick with it, and two, email us your initial thoughts when you come here and it's like. <laughs> Random AT, re- AT reference, which I didn't get at all. I didn't know what the fuck you're talking about, and then it's gone.
2: Haven't you watched more A-Team than the rest of us?
3: No. I can, I can say I have never watched a full episode or that movie. I have no reference besides Mr. T.
2: Colonel Hannibal Smith likes to say no, he loves it when a plan comes together. In this instance, my tech has failed me. I'm sitting on a floor. Stefan's got issues. I'm now, folks – I take this podcast, we all take this podcast pretty seriously, quite frankly, despite the fact that it's just a hobby. We love it. And I normally, we're all, we're all using very good microphones. In this instance, I am sitting on a living room floor floor of, my, uh, of our friend Phil's apartment using a $15 headset to make this shit happen. So uh, roll with it, and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, this week, we're going to talk real quickly And I say real quickly because I don't got the card in front of me, and all I remember is the uh, main event and Gregor Gillespie's fight from um, UFC Utica. We're going to talk about that. Uh, We're going to talk about Nazis because Mike really wants to reiterate that we are against racism on this podcast. We are. We are strongly against it, folks. I can take that stance. That's an easy one. Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself yourself um what else did i say we're gonna talk about guys i've already forgotten i've been flustered by our but what's going on so far i mean we got a huge fucking card we kind of broke it down last
3: week so if you need a podcast that you can listen to with great audio that kind of breaks that card down you know head to last week's and uh but we'll probably talk about that a little yeah, bit I, Was there any other
2: news somebody yeah, got well, to fight. I, mean, I was gonna say i mean we're gonna talk um we're going to talk about ESPN. We promised that last week because yeah, this is right. honestly the biggest thing that's going on in this sport that's not getting enough attention because none of the fighters are going to get a dime of this because they, they haven't gotten their shit together. And at this point, it's their own fault. We talked about it. We talked about when the UFC signed this deal. The, Uf- the fighters hadn't gotten their shit together. We weren't going to have any sympathy for them. Here we are. Um, and then I'm going to basically uh, blow Michael Bisping when we talk about his retirement. So you guys can pencil that in at some point. So um, UFC Utica. Let's just talk about this real quick. Uh, Marlon Moraes went out there with uh, Jimmy Rivera, um, and the fight started, and then 30 seconds later, Marlon Moraes had kicked Jimmy Rivera upside his head. And uh, for a moment, it looked like Jimmy was protesting this stoppage, but he kind of realized, no, nah, no, nah, he's, he's, he was done fighting. Um, Mark, do you got analysis of this 30-second contest?
3: Um, Not a ton, but I of the fights on this car, this is the only one I got to see all of it, so... I mean, no, really, it was a great uh, lead leg high kick that just, you know, cut right through Jimmy Rivera. And it definitely, he, he had some recovery. And I think probably why he's disputing the stoppage is the kick didn't knock him out unconscious, right? He tried to get back up and then uh, Marlon just, you know, flurried on him and was, at one point, it looked like Jimmy was about to start building himself back up to stand back up. And it's right then where he kind of went unconscious. So I'm sure in his mind, he got knocked down. He was getting back up and you know, fast forward three minutes later, it's like, what the fight stopped? I was getting back up. This is bullshit. I, I'm pretty sure when he sees the footage, he's like, Oh yeah, I'm clearly face down, unconscious. That was a good call. Thanks, ref.
2: Yeah, and Mark, I'm just noticing that Google thing you mentioned about when you Google UFC fights. It's sly they got it's a lot pretty of pretty cool. They got a lot of shit going on. I was gonna mention, because I was I was looking up Marlon Morace's record, because I know he's on a bit of a run. This is the second top ten opponent he knocked out in the first basic first minute of the fight, after uh, kicking Aljamain Sterling upside his head back in uh, December. Um, I want to say that was in like Albany or something. I feel that was in New York too, especially if uh, Aljamain was on the card as well. Uh, Marlon Moraes, despite being Brazilian, does train out of New Jersey. He's training with that team, which doesn't get enough credit, quite frankly, with Frankie Edgar and uh, Eddie Alvarez. Uh, what's the name of the kid, uh, the guy who does all the kicks at 155? Help me out, guys. Edson Barboza. Edson Barboza. No, no, not trying to dislike the man. He's on that team, too. Mark Henry's got himself a, a bit of a team over there. And um, Marlon Moraes pretty much cemented his status here, Steph, as one of the four at 135. There was three. Now there's four. And he's one of them. Whether you put him where you put him, mm-hmm. given the fact that Dominic Cruz hasn't fought in God knows how long, it's up to you. But that's uh, those are the four we have right now. So uh, what do you think? you think he's gonna we're going to get him and Cruz, or do you think he's just going to fight the winner of uh, TJ and Cody, which is happening, I want to say, in August in Los Angeles?
1: Um. Yeah, absolutely, to everything you said. Um. And I think it's really cool to see him doing well because he was one of these World Series of fighting guys that, you know, he kind of had a nice reputation coming out. When he was going to finally come over, I thought it was a big deal, you know, and he lost some luster because he dropped that decision to a Sun Tso. Um, but, you know, a style makes everything look ugly. You know, even even when TJ Dillashaw beats him, it looks kind of ugly. And I'm totally okay with it being next because these are two really significant wins, um, particularly the Rivera one. Rivera was on a 20-fight win streak. That guy is not getting that back, you know. You don't see a lot of streaks like that. He absolutely dismantled, basically retired Uriah Faber, more or less. Um, you know, Rivera was hot, so I'm totally fine with him being next in line. Again, two spectacular knockouts. That's the exact type of momentum you want. you want. You want definitive finishes going into the title shot, and Marais gave us that, so I'm totally on board with him getting next.
2: Yeah, Mike, you know I'm, the, I'm one of the biggest goddamn uh, Dominic Cruz heads going around these days, but man hasn't fought since... Uh, when the hell did he take the belt? When did Cody even take the belt off of him? That's would have been January 2017, right? No, I think it would have been early. when did... He took it from... I think they fought in the middle of the year. I might be—I don't remember honestly, because like, didn't I remember he when Dominic took it off TJ? It was in January of some year. I don't know how long he's been back there, to be honest. Um, But either way, I mean, we all know Dominic's position and his status as the greatest bantamweight that ever, you know, was. And we don't really know about his health. What do you think, though? Do you think we try to get? Do you think we we try to book him and Marlon, or do you think we're risking getting rid of a contender at that point? Well, I mean, I feel like
0: you can't really wait for Dominic because I haven't really heard any news that he's close to coming back or, you know, if he should have a fight schedule soon. And I think that it's great that it's not even someone from Bellator that's doing really well. It's someone from, you know, no disrespect to World Series of Fighting, or I guess the Professional Fighters League as it's called now, um, the third promotion that they're actually thriving in the UFC. Um I don't think we should waste the opportunity of actually having a a fresh name that a relative amount of people actually do know who he is. Um, Whenever Dominic is ready, Dominic can just fit right in and get a title shot. At this point, we got to kind of line our ducks in a row.
2: Yeah, and um, I think it's interesting for a fight that's only happened once, everybody seems very tired of TJ Dillich and Cody Garbrandt just because... They're two very unlikable is, people at this point. Is that is that
3: is that the the narrative around this? People aren't excited for that fight. People
2: are people are excited for the fight, but they'd like it if nobody was allowed to talk until the fight happened,
3: because ah, no one
2: really likes either one of them on any level at this point.
3: Sure. Um, um I I did want to kind of get your guys' thoughts, and we kind of mentioned it, and I agree. Uh, Marlon is more in the position for a next title shot, but where where do you slot a, a, son, a Rafael Sunsau in all this? Because I mean, he beat Marlon. He hasn't lost since then. I agree with Steph's uh, tidbit where I mean, him getting these quick finishes I think counts for a lot more. I think him being kind of new to the division and kind of hot right now, I think it makes more sense to slot him in. Against the challenger or against a dominant Cruz, but at the same time, if you're in a SunSao fan, you kind of have to be like, "What the fuck, dude? Like my dude beat you." And even then, like personally, I thought that was a little uh, Brazilian home cooking that a SunSao has. I mean, has, they're, they're you know. both
2: they're both Brazilian, though. Well, I mean, one's a little more Brazilian, Bobby. <laughs> well, honestly, I forgot that. That I forgot that he hasn't. This is the problem with Rafael SunSao. Like we all forget he exists very often. Like he DJ yeah, Dillashaw feel- got his first title shot literally because a sunsau was just like. It was a Sun shot because a beat TJ and this Sun couldn't take the fight. Like he's like, no one cared to like him get, like he still hasn't gotten a title shot. Like, uh, like he was promised yeah, one no, three I years ago. I totally agree.
3: The dude does not move the needle. And it's just one of those things like it, it is hard to deny that he's kind of somewhat deserving. Right. But no, I'm not clamoring for him to get a title shot, but it seems like he needs to be in the conversation. And I'm not even mad that he's not. I just think it's. It's interesting, you know. We don't often have. I mean, he's kind of like he's kind of like a Covington, right? Like no one really. We're not excited to see him. At least Covington says some dumbass shit, and it kind of it gets everyone riled up. He gets reaction, right? A Sun Tau gets no reaction. No one gives a, f- a shit about what he's doing. But I just think it's interesting. You look at who he's beaten as well. I mean, Marlin Sterling. Those are two. I mean, Sterling got that win off of Marlin. Uh, I, I mean, Marlin got that win off Sterling as well. So I mean, there's some common common opponents here. But I don't think anyone's clamoring for it. I don't think he'll get it. But it's Is not the Sun Tau that he's finishing
2: anybody. What's the Sun Tau's done recently? Honestly, he finished I finished his
3: last fight. But do you guys know Matthew Lopez? Not a name that really. Yeah, I mean, where, where did
2: this fight happen? Was it on pay per view? That's a thing. Uh, also, it, I mean, it, this fight happened Virginia. also on, on. This happened on a Friday. Worth mentioning this card. Like we all forgot it was. Pardon me. We forgot this was even happening. Very weird. Yeah, I mean, to everything you guys are saying, that's kind of why
1: I would like a Sun Style to be the comeback fight. For Dominic Cruz, granted, I, I, I'm with you guys. I don't really know where Dominic is in this because what did we see when Dominic finally lost to Cody is we saw that athleticism was starting to go a little bit. We started to see that footwork wasn't all there. And these countless injuries, plus just natural aging, they have to be taking their effect. And that's why I kind of like the Asuncao matchup for Dominic Cruz because Sal, he's a grinder. He doesn't out-athletic. He doesn't out-speed anyone. He's not a tremendous hand-speed guy. And so let's be honest, essentially why I want that fight is because I want Dominic to knock Assunzawa out, out of the picture. Because You know, Mike Mark said, none of us really care. He's n- not a sexy fighter. Does he deserve to be in the picture via merit? Sure. Does he deserve to be there via anyone wants to see him fight? Not really. So that's why yeah. I think it's an ideal matchup for Dominic.
2: I mean, also, I mean, it's worth mentioning, Mike, that uh, Dominic, of all the injuries he's come back from, the one he has now is plantar fasciitis, which... That one doesn't go away. That one doesn't go away. He's he essentially botoxes his feet so he can fight. Which I don't know. I mean, at a certain point, man. I mean, I, I don't know how much money he's made, but he's got a job for as long as he wants it as an analyst. I don't know how well that pays. He's the. I, I still think he's better at that than everybody personally. He's my favorite guy to listen to in terms of like the breaking down of fights. He's like when I remember when he was um, he was calling uh, uh, Barrow, when Barrow fought somebody. And you realize that, like, oh, he thought he was going to fight Burrell for like three years, and he broke down Burrell's game and how to beat him within like 14 seconds of the fight. I'm like, oh my god, he would have killed Burrell. This wouldn't have been even uh, close.
3: <laughs> I agree. The only thing I don't like, he can get a little biased. So I think if he's going to, if he's commentating on a teammate, just slot in a Bisbing or a DC. Oh, in oh yeah, there the because... Jeremy Stevens
2: one. That was a Jeremy Stevens one where I'm like, you know, Jeremy Stevens isn't doing that well here, Dominic. Like, what? Is yeah, this? I mean, that's just. A,
3: and I think I think it's hard for any teammate. Are you really? Can you really be unbiased and say, like, oh man, my boy's getting clowned and then see that dude in the gym the next day and start throwing hands with him? It's like
2: you don't want to put
3: yourself in that position. So why even you know, if you're gonna have a teammate on the card, just slot yourself out. We I mean, it's the risk of in.
2: having an active fighter up there, of course. Um, which DC as DC is like that too, when like Ro- when thing, yeah. out there, I mean Bisping was trying to not be biased towards Darren Hill just on the Englishman thing, but even even Bisping was like, Yeah, hey, I don't know about that four one guys. That was uh that was a little rough. Um Worth mentioning that uh, Gregor Gillespie, um, we mentioned him last time, too, as someone we got to pay attention to. Uh, this gentleman is 12-0, and 0, and he is um, just, without describing the details, if I say a man's a beast on the ground, you guys kind of know what I mean. He's just like, he takes the guy down. He's relentless. Um, he's also claiming to be the best, the best fisherman in MMA, which is my, like, I like that gimmick. There's nothing, to, there's nothing to take from Gregor's it. camp. I don't know. I think he's from New York, but
1: I don't... Because he seems like the quintessential Team Alpha Male guy, like a small power wrestler.
2: And he likes the the outdoor stuff on. It might be. Somebody look up where this dude's from. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. I I can't do this. I'm sorry, boy. Somebody look this up. Where's this guy training? Hold for answers, folks. (laughs) As somebody looks this shit up.
1: Sorry, I make this point, and I don't have the information to back it up right now. Was, did you guys know there was an
2: American magic realist painter? from Long Island? Is that what we're talking? Yeah. I, oh, yeah.
3: He, he uh, So his team is Long Island MMA. Everyone knows them. The Belmore Kickboxing oh, Academy? Oh, Belmore is... Uh, I mean, Bobby, you're over there. Just no, Belmore, by. Is, what's what's it, a,
2: Belmore is where what's-his-name is training right now. It's like, they're all intermingled, but Belmore, I think, is where Volante is there a lot of times, and then there was that other guy Belmore. who left. The other guy was training with them left also. Um, maybe one of the Lima kids are over there. I don't know. All right. There's still stuff going on there. But, yeah, Gregor Gillespie got a big win there. Um, he, we got to start giving him real guys, you know, not to disrespect uh, the gentleman he took out. Because uh, Pachel is some uh, – I don't know how to say his name correctly, but we've seen that guy fight before a few times, quite frankly. He's legit. Yeah. He's a, he's a relevant fighter, quite frankly. Um, all right. So that's what we got that this week. Um other news is, uh, I'm going to say my statement on this, and Mike, you're the one who wanted to talk about this, so I'm going to let you go down as far as you wanted to, but Andrea KGB Lee's uh, husband, and Andrea KGB Lee, on, remember on talking about her after she got her win a week or two ago, uh, her husband's got uh, Nazi tattoos, and they aren't, and he talks about it being from prison, and they're not covered up, but he says... Yeah, a lot of people when they get these shits, like they want to, they've made changes in their lives where they're not a racist anymore. You'll see their arms have a bunch of like black boxes on them, like as a way to cover them up. Um, and he said that would make him look more like a redneck than ever. And I'm just 2018 that's America, a- being a Nazi is preferable to being a redneck for some people. I was
3: like, dude, that's a jump up. Yeah, you should be I was lucky gonna be say, a over So um,
2: if I'm if I'm this dude, it's probably time to cover this shit up. Don't you don't you, I don't need to hear about Andrea Lee telling me how her they live with an Asian dude and a jap and a Japanese and a Spanish dude or whatever she was talking about today. Like they're not that racist. You're not racist. That you can just, live that, with
3: people in fucking hate
2: yeah. Them. You got a we got red man. Like that doesn't mean yeah. That's mean yeah. So that's just yeah. I don't know what you, Mike. Go <laughs> well, ahead. I mean, I I don't know about him
0: disparaging rednecks like that. I mean, Jeff Foxworthy and Larry the Cable Guy have what? massive mansions. Out of exploiting their redneckness. And. um, You know the other thing is that. You can understand. Why some people get some tattoos. In prison because. From what I've heard. When you're in prison. You got to join a clique. Because if not you might get anally raped as Tom Dubois is always so afraid of in the boondocks or you might get shivved in the bathroom so you know normally the white dudes got to hang you know link up with the white dudes the black dudes with the blacks and you know whatever whenever so you never know maybe he had to get that tattoo because the only group he could uh, align himself with was like the Aryan Brotherhood i don't know we don't know this guy's history Wait, did he go to jail? He did. Yeah,
3: that's awesome. Yes.
2: I mean, Mike, we're giving him the benefit of the doubt, but he's no longer in jail. At this point, yeah, it's yeah. probably I, time to,
3: you know. Mike, great point. I totally kind of agree. And so that you do have to gang up. Um, Let's be clear. Dude still got raped. Dude totally just got <laughs> raped by white people instead of black people. That definitely happened. We can write that down. That's official. Okay,
2: this is why I didn't see the point of this conversation on any level during this well, group chat earlier. The man, unless, he, hey, unless he got out of the jail last Tuesday, he's got to cover that shit up. There's no excuse yeah. for it. He's in a public yeah. place. This is... Fuck, man. Get it together. Look like a redneck. You know what? If you have a big black bar on your arm, we're going to at least respect the fact that you changed your life. How about that?
3: It doesn't have to be a black bar. Get a, get a talented artist and say, look it. This is the canvas I got. Put some art on me. You can do this, brother. There's a lot of good tattoo artists that I, can make cool I can't, can't, believe, this getting, this, I can't believe
2: this is even getting any attention. Who gives a shit? Andrea Lee is like a barely relevant fighter at this point, but... This is MMA, and you know what? Having having the excuse of wanting to look more like a looking like a Nazi is better than a redneck being justifiable to some people is amazing to me. Um, I just say he's a Nazi. Let's just not hide it.
1: Yeah. Let's just be upfront of who we are.
2: He has a Nazi. He has an SS thing. up? Jesus Christ!
1: Um, you know, I was at Target today and I saw those uh, Tiki torches, <laughs> and it just makes me think of uh, white Southern Nazis now. <laughs> I'm sure that the company that makes those tiki is like no, yeah. Wow. We, when we were
2: a kid, we used to have them in my parents' backyard. The oh,
3: I used to be man. very fancy. That you. was
1: yes. how, you know, no, The company's like, we are just good time summer barbecues. Yeah, we are we're about <laughs> summer nice times. So. Did, did you guys? Are about low? Did you guys? Did
2: you guys catch Ambien's response when Roseanne compl- said blamed Ambien? They said one of the side effects is not racism.
3: Yeah, that, that was, was
2: amazing. That was. Well, that ambient
3: it. Twitter guy was like, "Oh, finally, I get a slam dunk on oh, somebody!" He's, like, he's like, "Motherfuckers
2: have been j- taking our shit and eating food at 3 a.m. for years. People have been making jokes. Oh, this is this is the Gibby. This is the easy one, guys." <laughs> um, all right. Um, we're going to talk about Michael Bisping for a moment. Uh, people who missed the news, Michael Bisping announced that uh he is going to retire. And when you say it's because of his eye, everybody kind of assumes it's because of the one eye that uh, Vitor Belfort kind of tore his retina from when Vitor was on that super juice. Um, But it's not the bad eye. It's the good eye that he's having problems with, too. And Michael Bisping doesn't need to do this shit anymore. Uh, Michael Bisping's got... I think he's tied for the most wins, or it's him and GSP and maybe Damian Mayas up. I don't know. So there's a bunch of people who've been fighting for a long time. Um, Michael Bisping... Achieved everything you're gonna want to achieve, and um, he's got a family. He's got a, like his kids are like he's got like a son that you'll see on Reddit MMA every now and then. The kids like 17, so like he's got like older kids at this point. He's got the other son that uh whenever there's an embedded, he always picks his dad to lose, which is kind of been adorable, quite frankly. Also, uh,
3: kind of a smart MMA analysis, right? <laughs> um,
2: Michael Bisping today it was on MMA Hour, and he and Ariel asked him, "How do you want to be remembered?" And he says, "I want to be remembered as somebody who." Always did my best, gave the fans as many fights as possible, never went on, never did any steroids, you know, I wasn't the fastest, I wasn't the strongest, but I was going to fight and I was going to put the hard work in and it's great that I was a champion, but that all came from just, you know, it didn't come from just natural abilities as I put the time in, which I really think, um, and I'm a a Michael Bisping fan, so I know I'm biased here in general, but I think he's somebody we're going to, fans are going to miss a little more even when he's gone. There was a whole stretch where everybody fucking hated him. Like, there was, like, a long stretch where everybody hated Michael Bisping pretty passionately, probably peaking when he got his fucking head knocked off by um, Dan Henderson back at UFC 100. In his later years, I think people came to appreciate what hit him a little bit more for his ability to at least, like, get you invested in a fight, you know? Um, And it wasn't that you thought he was lying to you when he would just get in a guy's face and start shit-talking and stuff like that. It was just that... He got in the mode of like, this that was part of his thing, which was like, I'm going to try to get under this guy's skin. And look, he wasn't perfect by any stretch. Michael Bisping has said some shit in the past where like some questionable, I think he called people, you know, faggot a few times. He definitely didn't, shouldn't have done that shit. Um, he he had, spit on a man. He spit on, you know, in retrospect, spitting on Tim Kennedy's cornerman, which was the same cornerman as Hoya Rivera's. I think we're all a little bit more okay with that, but still, you probably shouldn't spit on people and do an, uh, an intentional illegal knee. But, um, so yeah, and then like his, his title reign, um, despite the UFC being the ones who booked that Dan Henderson fight and the GSP fight and all that stuff, is not going to be remembered as fondly as such, but he's always going to have that night in Anaheim where a couple weeks before, he took a fight on two weeks' notice, and he said on the MMA Hour that, at the time, I remember he said this, and he says, if you can believe that the Son of God came down and was crucified and died and came back three days later and is the savior of the world. that you can believe and who in 2 weeks Michael Bisping is going to knock Luke Rockle the fuck out. And he did it, man. And like when he when he threw his hands up and he won the championship, it was like dude's been doing this for like I don't know, he's 38, you know. So let's like he was 38 I think when he won the belt, so let's go with like 16-17 years. He did everything he's ever going to do he ever wanted him to do. He's going into the UFC Hall of Fame the second they feel like putting him in there. He's going into our Hall of Fame if we, do it in, if we do it in a month. I'm putting him in there. I'm telling you, it's not even a question. So, yeah, Michael Bisping, um, you know what? He's not, there's no longer the guy you can just call you know, to save a fight card for you in middleweight and find a way to make it somehow more interesting because he's going to shit talk the other guy. So, um, one thing we know, though, is that people, the, the clubs of Manchester, get ready because DJ Mikey B has got a lot of free time on his hands, folks so uh if, if you guys don't understand what i'm talking about michael bisping used to be a dj and you can find his mixes on soundcloud so yeah a, a tip of the hat to michael bisping on a wonderful career guy's been around since ufc since tough mark tough two or three
3: it was three tough There's three man
2: one tough three i think against yeah, um he did. was it herman
3: no <laughs> i can't remember it wasn't had it had herman no, that was that was uh, Herman and Grove, and then he fought some guy that was kind of chubby for light heavyweight. He had, like, blue hair. He didn't last long. Yeah. He was
1: supposed to fight Mark Hamill, Matt. but I believe Hamill got injured at the end. So that's kind of Bisping had the clear path at that right, point. Yeah. yeah,
2: and then he came back and beat him in a fight that nobody thought he won. That was – Michael Bisping, man, it was a fun time. I'm going to give you this. I'll tell you this. He had a, f- I had a good time at this career, man. So, um, yeah, and he's great on TV still. He's still Michael Bisping. He's still going to talk a bit of shit, and it's going to be fun for everybody. Yeah. So,
3: I mean, he didn't carry it as strongly as Conor or GSP, but he was the English like representative for. He a was. Long the, he's time. the I mean, first. Counting, I'd say he's
2: the first English champion that have they ever had, pretty and that's sure, a big yeah. deal, man. Because they've been trying to do were in UK for a long time, and he was he learned he, he was pretty. Pre- all these all these fighters talked about. All these, they interviewed a bunch of uh, European fighters. And they all talked about how much respect they had for Michael Bisping and how Michael Bisping had really blazed a trail for them. And Michael Bisping himself, he, like, he responded. He's like, he didn't know that people thought of him this way. Because Michael Bisping has been, has been the shit-talking guy from Manchester for so goddamn long, you know, doing the, you know, tell t- like, he does you – know, Everybody knows the Michael Bisping press conference. When he starts doing – he gets in the fa- face-off and he starts pointing at the motherfucker and, you know, let me tell you this shit, you know, and I – it's, it's been Mike, he's been playing Michael Bisping for so long that he doesn't realize the impact he's had just being real, really a pioneer of British MMA. So I, of all, I, I and you know what? I don't think he's coming back. Honestly, evolve, I know mean, is his MMA, but I don't think he's coming back. So I think we probably saw him fight his last fight, which was the one he shouldn't have taken against um, the kid in China.
3: Um, oh, so so, Bob, uh, maybe I misunderstood. He retired, retired. No, he's I he done. Because I thought he was going to do the retirement no, fight. No, he said the this is it. Kind of passed no, like, okay, once, once okay, the good okay, eye okay.
2: starting to go, he, they didn't want him to take, they wanted him to retire after the GSP fight, his family. And like, then he took that Gastelum one, which when he took sure. that Gastelum one, I think we all kind of recognize like, let's just, this dude's just getting another paycheck while well, he still, you know, can get another paycheck and he doesn't spend money on a camp maybe. But he's, you know, he's recognizing that he's not... In the best health and, you know, he's got kids. He's got a wife. Maybe, maybe you know, he can do this TV shit for a while. Made some good money. So that's it. Michael Bisping's done, folks.
1: I mean, one thing you didn't um, mention, but I wanted to just bring up while we're talking about Bisping. Because I think it's the hallmark, or I think it's, like, the key mark of his career is the fact that once USADA came into play, that's when Bisping really hit his stride um and i think that's why michael bisping his career kind of goes down as one of the great what ifs of the sport you know when he he was that guy who was always the bridesmaid right he was always getting right on the cusp of contendership but he could never push all the way through it would just be some physical freak of nature like super vitor who would just knock him out but then we saw once the drug testing got more rigorous once the trt stopped being a viable uh solution for certain fighters. Miss Bing was still there. He was still floating around at the top. So, you know, uh, it's like what I said with Kenny Florian. His career is these are the guys who weren't the greatest athletes. You know, they didn't have, they didn't have go-to explosive knockout power, but they were kind of what the maximum potential of effort gets you. Like when a person Absolutely. just maximizes everything that they have in their ability, you know, like when they can make themselves a B-plus across the board, this is what the fighter produces. And I would say to that end, Bisping is a higher version than Florian ever was. But that's what they were. And so just the fact that, you know, we saw Bisping have this late career success when the playing field was kind of evened. Um, I think that's one of the things that he should really be lauded for at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, Mike, what was the list we had of, of the people he lost to? You could, it was like Dan Henderson, TRT, fucking uh, Chael Sonnen, TRT, Vitor, Vitor Belfort, Belport. entire fucking Pharmacy. Anderson Silva, he, I mean, like, uh, there was another, there was other ones too, but like, you pretty much could look at pretty, like, and say, you know, we all like Dan Henderson, and Dan Henderson is treated as some sort, you know, is treated with great respect, which he deserves as a fighter, but there's that, I mean, all of a sudden, man, people started getting drug tested, all these guys weren't Superman anymore, and Michael Bisping was still there, we made the joke all the time that Michael Bisping was, I'm trying to do the thing, like, everybody was at this level, Michael Bisping was below it, and then all of a sudden, stero- they started drug testing these dudes, and everybody got evened up a little bit. And,
0: and remember, this is a who's who of who we know for a fact. It was either on TRT or it was caught juicing. Uh, remember, he fought you know more like a lot of these fighters that are in their 30s. He fought in the era when there really wasn't any drug testing or it was very lax. So who knows the, the other number of middleweights that he fought that were actually on some shit. You just don't know.
2: Um, yeah. Marcus, last word about a man who uh, definitely going in the Hall of Fame. Twenty six UFC wins or some shit like that.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's. I think we covered his career pretty, pretty, pretty well for you know, kind of abbreviated thing. But really, I think it, when you mentioned that, like he did everything that you could kind of want to do in your MMA career, I completely agree. You know, he main he was a main event on multiple cards. I mean, almost most of his fights were probably main events. And I mean, the most important thing is capturing that title. You know, that's what we've seen a lot of great fighters just not be able to position themselves in to get that opportunity and to get it and seize on it. Right. And Bisping was one of those guys. It seemed like for a long time he was never going to get the opportunity. He always fell short when he needed that number one contender fight. And even like you mentioned, Bob, when he got the shot, it was not under normal circumstances. He had to take a fight on short notice against a guy who had already beaten him and on paper would have likely beaten him again, and, you know, he defied the odds, and while I think a lot of people could be very skeptical of his uh, title defenses and his reign, if you will, um, the guy he got it from was super legitimate, right? Like, and there was, and even though you can say, like, oh, you know, Personally, I don't think Luke Rockhold took him too seriously. I think he made a lot of mistakes that Bisping completely capitalized on. But that's what he had to do. Like that—that that was the thing that Bisping had to do to win that fight: is to capitalize on any mistake that uh, Luke did. And you know, he got that belt in the, from one of the most legitimate guys in the division. Um, I think what kind of sucks with the, with the legacy. I mean, his legacy—I don't think is going to be tarnished. But obviously, Luke isn't quite in the same headspace that he was when he was champion. Marcus, like, he was, he not to was I was going to say, Marcus,
2: don't you think in addition to be, for a while we all, I mean, people were like, okay, go. there was the jokes like the lucky left hook that Michael was being through and stuff, but I think he almost might have exposed a hole everybody didn't see at first in Luke Rockhold because every fight since then, Luke Rockhold just getting clubbed standing by all these dudes. Like, yeah, he kind of so put a book out on him a bit there. Yeah,
3: yeah. so maybe he's, he started a, a momentum but, I mean, I think what sucks is that, like, if Luke was still doing well, you can kind of be like, it makes that win even more impressive, right? But you can't take anything away from his career. Like, the guy's been around forever. And he's taken so many short notices fights. He's, I mean, he fought Kung Lee, and was it in China or Hong Kong. I mean, he oh, had a lot. When of- Kung Lee showed
2: up looking like a goddamn action figure, oh I mean, my god, definitely someone. Did, did, did he get caught uh, juicing he in he that did, one? But like, I mean, it went to the wrong lab, and like, Michael oh, right, but, Kung was Lee it. was talking like <laughs> he was vindicated, and we all looked at Kung Lee like. My man, you're looking real vascular. Like that was that was look, yeah, that was but not I mean, like great you one said, one. Bobby, I mean, now that he's retired,
3: for sure gonna be in the Hall of Fame. And I think will we'll always be remembered Is I mean, as, as as what you said, he's one of those guys that really came to fight and he didn't have the skill set or the natural physicality that some of the greats had. But he had the heart, the will, and the determination to consistently get better, stick with it, and, you know, it, it just shows you. He's one of those guys, like, you can look at Forrest Griffin, you know, I, these are guys that I'm kind of, you know, even though they beat guys that I like and respect and think are better fighters, I'm still glad that they were able to, that Forrest was able to beat Jackson and that Bisping was able to beat Lock, Rockhold because they're guys that are deserving of that belt, you know. If not completely on, you know, just their fighting ability, just the kind of character and personality. I mean, Bisbing's kind of a shit, right? But he he plays that role, and that's a role that he plays. He's not a shitty person, right? Like you look at some of the the heels you have, like Covington and stuff. Like he just seems kind of like a like a, a douchebag, right? But Bisbing just seemed like a guy that. He wants to get a rise out of you and you know whether you like him or hate him at the end of the day as long as you have some kind of visual reaction to him and are engaged in seeing him fight that's ultimately what he's trying to do and i think he did that very well and um as someone who's been hard on bisbing um I- i'm going i've always appreciated his, his type of fighting and there was always a lot of fights that we wanted to slot bisbing and like oh man i really want to see him fight anderson or this guy because you know the dude's going to go in there and fight yeah i I didn't i didn't i didn't
2: i didn't get my nick diaz michael bisping but i got my michael bisping anderson silva so and as we go just if people want i just want to point this out to people it's a weird fight to recommend but after michael bisping got his head knocked off by dan henderson um he came back and fought dennis kang and i know dennis kang isn't a world beater but at the time but dennis kang was i think number 10 in the world um him coming back from that was a very big deal in the same way that Daniel Cormier coming back from getting kicked in the head by but John Jones is a big deal. And when Dennis Kane kind of flash-dropped him in that fight, and you thought, oh, is Michael Bisping done? But he got his shit together and got the win. And, and it's, it was a real moment where you saw like, there was an opportunity for this whole thing to go off the rails like, and him just be stuck in his head forever and like not come back from that. And that was one that always stuck with me. And like, it, was, it reminded me of DC when DC fought Volkan, Vulcan fir- Ozdemir, in the first minute when Vulcan was coming at him. And I'm like – and Stefan, remember, brought it up. we like, you, you thought, oh, shit. Like, is DC done? And he was able to turn the corner. Lesser competition in both cases, but they make the turn. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, just call it – there's a life-changing knockout sometimes, right? Yeah. There's you know, there's a moment sometimes in hindsight we can say this is the moment that broke a man. This is the moment that changed him. Their jaw was never the same thereafter. But, yeah, not only did he come back from it, he, he had his, – his greatest successes were yet to come, and we didn't even know it, so
2: – Hats off. All right. um, Let's get going. Um, ESPN deal. Um, Mike, I'm going to go to you with what happened this past, I think it was two weeks ago now. But we first got news that the UFC signed to an ESPN Plus deal, which was ESPN's new streaming service, which at the moment is just Kobe Bryant quietly explaining to you why your favorite player sucks or doesn't suck. It's an interesting show, but it but that's what's on there and i think a bunch of like out-of-market sports games but espn's going in on this streaming shit and it's for five bucks a month it's called espn plus ufc at first signed up what it seemed like for 15 espn plus deals for 500 no what was it it came out to like how much did it come out to like 10 million a year or some shit 10 million for each show or something like
0: that um uh, something like yeah, that. yeah it was yeah. like 10,
2: it was, came out to that and um and then uh, the news came that Fox was out of the game because the Fox spent a billion. Fox spent a billion dollars uh, bringing SmackDown over to their network, and we've talked about the ramifications of live TV be the only thing worth a damn anymore. And if we were all smart, we would have put money on WWE stock, which was 40, 30 days ago and is now at sixty. Um, UFC came out after, shortly after this deal with Fox and the WWE that the UFC is going all in on the. On the Mickey Mouse Network, folks, Uh, ESPN is the exclusive television provider for the Ultimate Fighting Championship, uh, coming in at about $300 million a year over the next five years, meaning there's $1.5 million out there that the UFC fighters don't have a contractual right to, necessarily, which, well done, Um, not getting your shit together, but Mike, immediate reaction, um, this is fucking huge. Well- I would say it's an immediate reaction, but it has been almost
0: two weeks, so I've had some time to you know, process this, and I think one thing that ESPN is doing is that they're learning from the missteps that um, Fox did, in that ESPN is going full bore ahead, not just putting all their baskets in terrestrial TV. You know, with, the, with with Fox, they had to do so many different programmings on Fox Sports One regarding UFC and do a whole bunch of bullshit content. With ESPN Plus, it's going to be all right when the event is on you just go on to ESPN Plus and that's it. They don't have to do like a, a tough talk or they don't have to do the ultimate fighter and they don't have to spend a lot of their airtime from ESPN or ESPN2 or yeah, ESPN. Yeah, um, I apologize. News. I forgot
2: I forgot to break down what happened after they signed the rest of the deal. It went to 20 ESPN Plus events and 10 ESPN events. So 30 events a year, still 42 events on the year because there's going to be 12 pay-per-views. But sorry, go ahead, Mike. So I was going I was saying that it uh It helps streamline the process
0: as to what it's going to be for for ESPN. Um, And let's face it, this is what Dana White's wanted the whole time. I mean, even when it was on Fox Sports 1, I mean, for the last two, three years, any big fight or any big announcement that's happened, Dana White's put
2: his big, bald head onto SportsCenter. Absolutely. And uh, Stefan... You being a big uh, sports fan like me and Mike, um, you kind of got the. I mean, my takeaway from this, the difference between this and the Fox deal was that the Fox was u- Fox was using the UFC a lot. it felt like to push a new network, and it I didn't feel the UFC was getting as much out of that relationship. We all know that ESPN can pretty much bury a sport if they don't if they don't air the sport. Um, a good example of I- this would be hockey. Which, when you go on ESPN, the top events at the top isn't showing the fucking Stanley Cup, which is you know the uh, you know the goddamn championship of the sport because they don't air any hockey. They can they 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 create the narrative for good or bad, right?
1: I mean, absolutely. It's just from an exposure from a Q rating, as they call it. ESPN is tops. ESPN is just synonymous with sports. You know, like it's the funny thing about going on ESPN is you read the articles, you go to the comment sections, and you have all these people commenting on ESPN is dying. ESPN is dying, yet here you are, still reading their stories, still going to their comment sections, still talking about what you saw on SportsCenter. So you're watching ESPN, whether you like it or not, you know. ESPN is one of those platforms that when you go to a bar, it's just on. No one has to ask to put it on. It is on. You have to... I've been to bars where I say something's on Fox Sports 1, and they t- ask me, what channel is that? No one asks you what channel ESPN is. Regardless of your provider, everyone knows where ESPN is. And like Mike said, you know that's where they put their celebrities, the car wash. So from an exposure standpoint, you, know, uh, you mentioned hockey, but it was just maybe about a decade ago, the NBA wasn't big on ESPN either. And there was this whole narrative that the NBA didn't have stars after Jordan. And uh, Magic, you know, after that generation retired. But like, we're in this golden era of stars now. And I say, no, Iverson was there, Kobe Bryant was there. There were stars, but it wasn't on ESPN. So the exposure wasn't there, you know? When the ESPN would give highlights of the NBA, it'd be this 20 to like second to a minute package. Whereas you have programming, like, you have an NBA jump off morning show, yeah, you, you have the, the, the post shows, they you immediately cut in the in sports in the center in to in the, the post game conferences. So, is it really that there's more stars, or it's, is it that they're getting exposure, thus creating stars? So, yeah, ESPN is just such an invaluable tool. Thank you. And, you know, like you said, Disney is behind it. Yeah, Disney's stock is down right now because of the solo bomb, but it'll be back up once The Incredibles comes out. Disney is this mega, mega corporation right now. So, anytime you can get that type of platform behind you, it's a good thing.
2: Yeah, and I'm not sure it's related to this ESPN thing, but I'm liking this Google integration where you type in a fighter's name and it tells me their last, like, five fights on Google now, which I it was not a thing, I feel, two days ago. So, yeah, this is a big, big deal. And, Marcus, we've talked about this for so long, and everybody makes the... And uh, different media has talked about this where they felt that the UFC fighters, barring a couple of them, weren't talking about the union efforts or the fighter association efforts... Um, as much as the media was, and um, now we're here, and they had all this time knowing this was coming, knowing that a new TV deal was coming, and look, when the NBA signed a new TV deal, the players got, what was it, 50% in writing, and while I say the uh, UFC fighters don't have a right to this money necessarily, obviously they're going to be paid by the promotion for their services, but there isn't a guaranteed percentage that is going to the fighters, so now we're here, We talked about it like they had to do this, they had to push it, they had to get their shit together, and nobody did. So I mean, what do you think?
3: Uh, Well, I think first it's really easy, obviously. Everything that we say and do is really easy from our vantage point, and it's easy to say like, they should have a union, obviously. And two of the things that I'm probably most passionate about, you know, MMA and video games, these are both things that desperately need unions. And it is incredibly hard to do so because you have to basically get everyone together and say, okay, we are all gonna stick our necks out and say, no, we wanna be part of a union. And whether that is, in this case, it's a union with one giant company or in video games, it's developers. um, I mean, we don't really talk about this because it's not a video game podcast, MMA podcast, but people that develop video games go through what is called crunch multiple times throughout for years to make a game where essentially people have to work brutal hours and, uh, you know, it's really difficult work that they don't get overtime for because they're not unionized. And these are both two fields that desperately need it. And there's been lots of talks in both. I mean, we had, you know, Leslie Smith and TJ and uh, Donald Cerrone come out. There's been multiple people that have attempted to kind of get this kick started. And the same thing happened at GDC this year. Lots of people talking about game developers need to start unionizing. It is just an extremely difficult task to to do. And... You know, I think we look at other professional sports like football and basketball and all the sports that have unions and say like, OK, well, these guys have done it. Why can't you? And it is very different, right? Boxing doesn't have a union and there needs to be a fighters union. It's just and I think a lot of the fighters agree. And I think what you need to have a union really come to fruition is the guys that are really benefiting from not being in a union to say, no, no more. I I know I can make millions of dollars. I'm Conor McGregor. I can make millions of dollars without the union but I'm not going to fight unless we make a union it is really and even back in the day when it was Chuck and Randy it was like if Chuck and Randy say we're going to have a fighters union that's that's the end of the the discussion fighter union happening now because you need to have those guys and it's just tough it's tough anytime someone you're in a sport where it's a completely individual where you're training yourself you're doing the best for yourself you benefit solely I mean you have a team around you but it's really all on you and it's tough to kind of break that away and be like, no, we're all coming together. So, yeah, I mean, obviously with these negotiations, they would have benefited greatly because, like you said, Bobby, like when they did the NBA thing, the players made out fat. They got a big cut of that. And we knew, like, if you don't have a union when these negotiations are going on and you don't have a, a you know a foot in the door to, to, to speak your mind, you're going to lose out on a big chunk of change. And
2: yeah, I'm and, not and, surprised and, it didn't and happen. And we're not right? sitting here like, you know, oh, the UFC's the devil for not giving them 50 percent because – this is a business, man. This is a capitalist enterprise. And, motherfucker, if you don't... the you you got to make it, make sure everybody's happy, but you also don't just give more money than you need to. So, here we are. We'll see what comes of it. But then again, you know, I read an article today, uh, the other day that uh, WWE fighter... WWE employee... Not employees. They're independent contractors, too, which um, that's a whole thing. But uh, how they would be dumb not to create an association or unionize after the $2.2 billion in deals that were... Uh, that were signed by the WWE in the last uh, last couple of weeks. I mean, Mike, you know, I, we don't we, we assume that WWE athletes get paid pretty well. They do though, get right? paid pretty well, but I mean, people know the history of pro wrestling. Know that Jesse Ventura tried to create a a union back in the '80s, and Hulk Hogan stooged it off to uh, to Vince McMahon. Yeah, that's right, Hulk. We all remember. We all remember. But Mike, I mean, yeah, the, the whole the whole uh, union being an employee versus independent contractor thing. I think we all we recognize that. You look at the test for that and. UFC fighters fail miserably, like I mean, they have fucking uniforms. You're like, come on now, like come on. We're gonna call them kits, but there's a fucking that's a uniform that's, you make an employee with. That's normally a pretty good indicator that you aren't independent by any means. Yeah, you got to tell them where you are at all times too. With the, come on, man. So yeah, they all gave the, they gave this up though. So when you guys are out there trying to get paid more, you know, when you're out there number ranked number two and you don't get a title shot.
0: They, uh, they have no one to blame but themselves, so I feel no pity for them.
2: But Mark made a good point, man. I mean, it's easy for us to say, but it's been easy for us to say for about five years now. So, at least. So we'll see what comes from it. Um, I'm realizing now that we did not come up, come up with the memoirs of a fight fan, so the first person to say, say one, we're going to do that.
0: I mean, do we got to come up with it right Your now? favorite bloodbath. Ooh.
1: All right, I'll go. uh, (laughs) It's the easy one because I already mentioned it before with my favorite celebration. It's It's the first one that I remember. I was like, I need to understand what's happening here because I didn't see it live. And that is when BJ Penn's elbow created a Japanese filmmaking style geyser of blood out of Joe Daddy Stevens' head. That thing sprayed... Like, out of a it's Japanese, a Stefan, do you like, remember, anime family. Do you
2: remember we were watching some sort of, it was like, the best knockouts or best somethings ever, and it cut to black and white? And you and I, now they see the fight, and of us have seen the fight, and we're like, what the fuck happened here? It wasn't even the fight they were
1: showing us at first. They were showing us a different fight on the card, and what we saw was the blood-stained canvas. <laughs> and we were like... Who hosed the entire cage with blood? <laughs> like, what did this come from? Like, how Joe crazy Daddy. was this card? No, that was all from one fight, one man, a five foot three man at that. He painted the entire canvas red, um, and that's when BJ Penn, like the violent island savage that he is, literally licked the blood of Joe Daddy Stevenson off his gloves. Hopefully, I imagine that they tested. You know, for disease, and Joe Daddy had a clean bill of health because that can't be good ingesting another man's blood like that. But at least it was fresh. That's the best I can say. Um, yeah, for any of you who look at Sad BJ Penn and see a bordering on 500 fight record and wonder why the hell is this guy a legend, why is this guy a Hall of Famer, it's stuff like that. It's just the beautiful. Yeah, savagery I'm, 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 of I'm the just gonna take day. another. B- since B-
2: since Mark, call- I'm gonna call another BJ Penn fight. Uh, BJ Penn. Um, how many times did Diego Sanchez try to take him down, guys? Was it like 28 or something like that, it was like a real rough number, Um, Diego Sanchez couldn't take him down, he was getting his ass whooped but then in the 5th round, BJ hit him, and you know a head kick's an ideal scenario, a head kick, you got a guy with your fucking shin, but a lot of times you get a lot of foot, BJ got all shin right across Diego Sanchez's fucking dome, and if you want to know where the cut is, you can just look at Diego Sanchez right now because there's still a long fucking scar right across his forehead um, where there's just a chasm opened up like, you could see what Diego was thinking about, man. All right? that was It was that deep of a cut. And, man, I mean, look, I paid for every fucking pay-per-view in the last 100 and something, but I got a stream from that one, and that was HD quality. I was watching with Sanchez here. HD quality. We were impressed with the stream we got that night, all right? And we were like, man, we kind of wish we got a worse one because Diego, Diego looks like he's losing enough blood that he's going to pass out. So, yeah, that, that's what mine is. Mark, you brought this up. You got something? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I had one, probably a more recognizable one. And then
3: one that's maybe not considered a bloodbath, but it was just gross. Um, so my favorite bloodbath one, it's its really just for the moment between the fourth and fifth round, was Robbie and uh, McDonald, Rory McDonald. I mean, not like a super bloody match, but in that standoff between the fourth and fifth rounds, and their face are just bloody, and they're just staring at them uh, at each other.
1: I think that needs to be mentioned. Um,
3: probably, Wait, I mean, on
1: I- that Quick, Mark, uh, another kind of caveat to that. That was the fight where Rory McDonald debuted his new nickname of the Red King. And boy, did Very he become the Red King. Though.
3: Yeah, and then so this uh, this other fight, not like a gr- – Actually, it actually was a pretty good fight way back in the day. This is an old Pride fight. Um, but it was probably one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen another fighter like – attempt to do to another human being um so uh this was against uh henzo gracie and uh alexander atsuka who alexander atsuka was kind of a mainstay in pride but he was definitely just like a punching bag like you look at this dude's record he's five and 13 and his last win was not surprisingly against bob Sapp. but he won from dq illegal slams so he's a guy who wins fights for getting beat up too badly um but no it was really disgusting this fight um Alexander got some up kicks. He was bleeding real bad. He got on top of Henzo Gracie, and they uh, they mention it, and you can see like he literally tries pouring his blood into Henzo's eyes and ears. And it's like, dude, that shit nasty. Get out of here with that shit. And I remember that um that left a mark on me. And I remember when I was in Sacramento, they did a like town hall meeting with the uh, the uh, commission, the athletic commission. And I asked them, about like, is there any rules in place so you can't, like, bleed in a dude's ear and eye? And they're like, fuck no, of course not. Who does that shit? And I was like, well, you need to go grab
2: Pride. Mark, you went out there and narked d- 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 on the fighters at the commission meeting?
3: <laughs> it was it was in Japan. But I was saying, like, look, it, that shit was gross. You have something in place for this. You've seen this shit, right? And they're like, no, this didn't happen. Who are you? Get out of here.
0: Um, Mike? I was a young kid. I <laughs> what do you, what you got? Mm-hmm. Uh, my first two would have been the two BJ Penn fights. So I had to kind of think of one, but I one came to me. Uh, I'm going to go with Cain Velasquez and Antonio Bigfoot Silva. Oh God, uh, that was rough. <laughs> yeah, Cain came, came Velasquez, that was his uh, comeback fight from one of his many layoffs. And, you know, we were all wondering, you know, is he going to be rusty? How's he going to look when he comes back? Well, mother effort showed very quickly that he had no rust on him. And the little rust he did have, well, he was able to split uh, Silva open with some, bl- you know, and get some blood, you know, to wash off that little bit of rust. Yeah, he got him down very quickly in the first round, uh, split him open with a left elbow, uh, proceeded to just pound on him. I forget who the ref was for that fight, but um, the ref took a look at the cut, let the fight continue, and Velasquez just said, all right, you want me to keep pounding on this dude? He kept pounding on his face, and fight was over within like three minutes. Um, that was a pretty bloody
2: fight. Mark, was it a uh, Kevin Jackson that Vitor kicked and it looked like the Grand Canyon opened up on his head? There was one real <sighs> gross one. I thought it was Kevin Jackson, like a real rough cut.
3: Maybe not Kevin I Jackson. Think, I think you're thinking of Marvin Eastman. That, it might have been Marvin and, Eastman. And okay. that was Belford Needham in the yeah, head.
2: Vitor, that was what it was.
3: Yeah, it looked like some some dude just came with an axe.
2: Yeah, that was don't fucking don't gross. That, well, I'm not sure it was bleeding as much. as It just looked like his head split open.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, it was nice. I
2: can't remember. Who, wasn't there one on Tough where we got to see
1: like a little bit of skull?
2: Oh, that was like, like that I, was the only I good fight. A, a good fight. It was. It was the heavyweight season. One guy just got elbowed continually for like five minutes in the same spot.
1: <laughs> and then, like when the doctor checked it, and you know when the doctor like pulls the cut mm. to see how bad it is, we saw like a big sliver of white. Yeah, and we're like, oh my god, it's skull. It is skull. Didn't, uh,
2: was it Benavidez that uh, dropped the elbows on Miguel Torres? That Miguel Torres had a vertical line on his head? Like they had to stitch that shit together. He had a real gross one too. I think it was uh, Benavidez who did that to him. That was another gross one. Um, All right, before we do stuff we like, I want, uh, we're going to go down the line and just tell me which of the fights on UFC 225 is most interesting to you. And you can give any reason you want. Um, I'm going to start with uh, Mark. Which one, which one are you looking forward to?
3: I think, I mean, they're all good. I think the one that I'm kind of been thinking about the most, because I'm scared I'm going to miss it and not know I'm going to watch it again later, is the Ream fight. Uh, I, I'm really, int- I mean, there's, there's so many good fights, but I mean, I have a vested interest in Ream. I think him and Curtis Blades is a really interesting matchup for both men. And mostly it's just like, I think, I'm going to be able to watch the main card through whatever means I can find, but I'm real worried I'm going to miss these prelims and not and not be able to find it. So I, I, that, that's the one that's like the last couple weeks, I'm like, man,
1: I got to figure out how I'm watching that main event for that prelim card. <laughs> um, Stefan, what do you got? I mean, it's an easy draw for me. Um, I like spectacle. I watched that Pride era with Mark. How is it not CM Punk versus Mike Jackson? There is so much mystery to this fight. Are Mike Jackson's golden glove hands that Mike has touted as, are they as cream of the crop as our boy Mike says they are? Is Mike Jackson just untouchable on the feet? Is he going to drop the shit out of CM Punk? Can CM Punk actually crush a fly in a hitting mitt like Homer Simpson could not? Could he do that? It's just so much mystery. I have no idea how this fight is going to go. And I can very rarely say that about fights, and that's the goddamn appeal of this fight. The mystery, it is tantalizing.
2: By the way, I try to turn the guys on to this. If you have not been paying attention to the trial notes that are coming out of CM Punk uh, lawsuit against a doctor from the WWE, they are pure comedy. Where like the WWE doctor is trying to object to footage of Kane chokeslamming CM Punk through a table. And, like, Kane had to get on the witness stand and say that he illegally eliminated CM Punk from the Royal Rumble. And you hear, that like, CM Punk's just laughing in the courtroom out loud. Like, this judge is trying to learn pro wrestling. This jury's trying to learn pro wrestling. It is such a—yeah, and this doctor committed HIPAA violations up the wazoo. So CM Punk's about to win a lawsuit against the WWE, basically. By the way, uh, Mike, what's your, uh, what's your pick? <laughs> well, it's good he'll get one victory in, during
0: this month. Um yeah, that was a good joke, wasn't it? Um, you know, I'm going to go with something that's going to happen very early on in this card. I'm going to go with Joseph Benavidez and Sergio Pennis. Uh A fight that we will definitely miss. Joe B hasn't fought in a long time. I still want to see if he's one of the top two or three flyweights in the world. And as much as... Sergio and, and and pretty Tony Pennis have disappointed us. They're still Pedis,es you know. They're still tan. They're still handsome. Man, I want to see if they're gonna do good or not. Um, and I'm just thinking about it now that uh, we'll be in Jersey, me and Bobby, for a lot of these prelim cards, and I'm just realizing we're gonna miss a lot of really Ooh. good
2: fights. You know what, man? I got YouTube TV. I'm gonna have the prelim, the Fox prelims recorded at least. You still paying for a fight pass? I am. We might be able to get that shit. I'm just. I mean, the one. I mean, you know, this is the first time I'm going to say this because when I lived here, it wasn't in the East Coast. It wasn't great, but this 10 p.m. start time for the main card might save us, man. The ship might save us. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just going to yeah. say this
3: real quick, and let's 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 be real quiet. We don't want to. Maybe, maybe we're going to share some passwords this weekend. <laughs> maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe some of this shit gets on the West
2: Coast too because I'm worried I'm going to miss Mar- it. Mar- Mark, I'm Bobby's getting that. Mark, I'll give, you, I'll give you my YouTube one. TV password. I'll give you my YouTube okay. TV and, and, password, and,
3: and, and maybe I get that 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 UFC TV. Actually, I already got that shit. You yeah, just you, you order it, you order it over there, and then I'll
2: snag it the next day. Okay, we'll t- we'll do that. That works. That fine. <laughs> um, so uh, mine, I um, I don't want to pick one. The guys already picked. Um, I think this, and I th- I said this was too early for him. This matchup, but, um. You know what? I'm not changing my mind. I was going to say Mursad Bectic and Ricardo Lamas, but I really think Ty Tuvasa and Andre Arlovsky is one we're going to have to look at because I know we all expect Andre to get starched here, but Andre finds a way to like survive in these fights sometimes. When Ty Tuvasa is real young, there's hope. I mean, he's only 25. He's six. He's 14 and Oh, that's kickboxing. He's 7-0 in MMA, all by knockout. Big Samoan dude. I'm concerned if he wins too impressively, they'll make him fight like... Actually, no, it's heavyweight. They can't give him somebody that I'd be like, oh, no. you know. Unless they gave him Kane in Kane's comeback fight. That's the only one. Um, that's that's a big deal, what's going on with Ty Duvassa. And if Megan Anderson loses this fight to Holly Holm, Jesus Christ, what are we doing at 145 pounds? And that's the likely outcome. All right, um, let's do stuff we like. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Mark the First this week all right i got a i got a handful of things so there's there's one
3: that's a fucking elephant in the room uh christmas come early every june uh this upcoming week is e3 uh for me i personally consider it a religious holiday i take time off work i get all my shit organized because especially come monday and i won't be on the podcast next week so i mean if you come for my great analysis I mean, still listen to the show. These guys are going to break down a fucking fantastic card. You don't want to miss anything that's coming out of this one. But uh, yeah, the Sony press conference happens right when we record. That's the one I'm probably the most excited about, um, just because I, I, I'm a big fan of their first party stuff. They're going to be. They have already guaranteed that they're going to show uh, new gameplay of Spider-Man, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, which is a new IP coming out of the Sucker Punch development, um, Last of Us Part Two. And uh, Death Stranding, which is uh, Kojima's next PlayStation exclusive game. But um, starting this Saturday, we have EA's press conference. Sunday's fucking packed. We start with, I think it's Bethesda. And then um, I'm totally blanking on all the people doing it on uh, Sunday. I know Devolver is also doing a press conference. I think, I can't remember, but uh, Monday's a real big day. We have Squares kicking it off in the morning, followed by Ubisoft. There's a PC uh conference in between that and the big one oh microsoft microsoft's on s- sunday yeah it's it's microsoft and bethesda on sunday and then uh yeah monday sony finishes out and then tuesday morning nintendo has a nintendo direct which uh who knows what they're gonna talk about probably a lot of smash and stuff like that but e3 is just like one of the biggest gaming events of the year it's where um you kind of lay out the plan for the rest of the year what's coming out in march Uh, We already know Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming out, and that's kind of scared everyone away from November. There's literally, like, no games are coming out in November. It's usually one of the biggest uh, gaming months for the fall, and it's just because Red Dead is just taking all of that hype, and no one really wants to compete with them. But, yeah, E3 is just fucking amazing. I love watching the press conferences. Um, I'm a big fan of the guys over at Easy Allies. They'll be doing Twitch streams an hour before and after each of the press conferences, giving posts in pre- and post-thoughts. So yeah, if if you're kind of into games and kind of wondering what's coming up, what's hot, um, if you want to see some usually really fucking amazing trailers, trailers that are usually so good that the actual games usually don't look quite as good. It's just, it's really, on the whole, it's just, it's a giant advertising hype machine just to get you excited about video games that are coming out. And I buy into it 110%. Um, So I'm really excited about that. But there is a smaller thing that I wanted to mention and this might si- sound kind of like a mic recommendation because it's really coming out of left field. Uh, you know, something that we usually don't talk about. <laughs> I don't really watch a lot of or are interested in a lot of reality TV. I can already see fucking Bobby laughing it up because he knows what I'm going to talk about. But uh, I have heard nothing but great things for the last month about Queer Eye. And when it came out on cable TV, what was it, like a decade ago. I had no interest in it. It's just not a show that I'm not because I have anything against, you know... Um, the uh, gay lifestyle or seeing people get their lives transformed. I just didn't really have much interest in reality TV, but I've heard so many people talk about how emotionally, I don't, I don't want to say draining, just like it, it's really for a show. That's basically just about making people better. It's interesting how often the show tugs at your emotional strings. And I really can't recommend happy it enough. Tears, I mean, man. Someone,
2: it's like, uh, what's that? it's like, it's happy tears. And like, it's, it's, that, it, it's it, like that show on NBC people love that, uh, uh, uh this is the us the people are just happy to cry. Oh, I haven't I haven't seen but this. Is like, us. I that's what it was that's a sitcom. The, is that a I know but still is like, 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 it's, like it's a sitcom, but people like you get emotional but it feels good. It
3: it 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 makes you believe in humanity again, right? Because you have these people that I mean, and, and really all the people that they kind of change lives, they're already open to, I mean, obviously they're not bigoted people that are just like, oh, I hate gay people. They're all obviously very open to learning what you know these people have to how they're they're going to basically transcend their lives. And there's a lot of interesting, I mean, they touch on a lot of topics, obviously about gay culture and how that's perceived in religion, but also talking about uh race and the relationships between black people and cops and uh, you know, just, there's a lot of things. I, I really, I don't want to ruin anything, but I would say, if you have an interest at all, give the first episode a shot, and uh, there's a good chance you're going to like it. And I think, if you want to take a challenge, I dare you to watch all eight episodes, and don't drop one fucking tear in all eight episodes, because I couldn't do it. There was an episode, I was balling, I'm like, holding it back, and I'm like, oh, I can't do it. The tears are coming, man. I can't believe, it. I mean, the, the things they talk about, you know, coming out, stuff like that is just, it, it, it's really it was a really fun watch, you know. And I, I expected it to be good cuz so many I've heard so many good things from so many people. But actually watching it I was like, shit, fuck, this is good. This is good enough that I'm going to come out on things we like and say how much I like the show cuz it was it was awesome. And I think they got a second
1: season on Netflix. So, uh yeah, just good stuff, you know. Yeah, um I don't I I just wanted to mentioning that cuz I've never seen the new uh, like reboot of it. But I've seen how there's episodes of it on Netflix and the guy who's like on the cover for it, I don't remember his name. He's got longer hair. Okay. But I remember him because years ago he had a web series where he would—he was like a hairstylist and he would sit right. with a client and they would do these conversations that would recap Game of Thrones. And it was okay. like the first two seasons that he did it. And I remember it's like, it's where kind of, I mean, it doesn't sound original, but I swear he's the one who coined it. Where he just had bitch, where are my dragons? Like that became his thing because you know Danny was the queen. You know before everyone, one called her Khaleesi, and you know they became this big cultural phenomena. It's just he would sit with a client while doing their hair, and they would just have these like fifteen minute conversations about last week's episode of Game of Thrones. And it's like when Bobby said he was like you know the um, was it the cross dressing like wrestling recap show? It's just like these like, two worlds mismatch that you don't expect them to. But it's just a hilarious take on it, you know, and I love Game of Thrones. So even way back in the early seasons, I was still like, you know, any content, people talking about it, I liked it. And so I just remember seeing that guy and then I'm like, oh, he's in the Queer Eye reboot because I have plenty of friends who watch it, though I haven't seen it myself. So it was just funny to see a recognizable face off the bat.
3: Yeah, and I would say you know sometimes they're very outgoing, flamboyant guy, and I can't remember any of their names. I'm just shitty with names, but he's probably like the most kind of flamboyant. And I remember when me and Christine were watching it, and at first too, he's like he was the one that I kind of had the hardest time kind of gelling with, just because he's so kind of out there. But like a couple episodes in, you're like, fuck, I really like this guy. Like he's really fun, and that, I mean that, that's really it. It's just it's a fun, heartwarming show. Um, so if you need a little, you know, some some positivity in your life, you know, give it
2: a shot. All right, I'm going to go. Mine's going to be kind of short. And uh, it's not going to be too political, even though I just, we all just read today that the president's feelings are hurt, that the Eagles didn't all want to come uh, to, uh, to his celebration of their championship. To they his did, clubhouse. They didn't want to honor their president. Their president. Jesus Christ. Let's go kick rocks, motherfucker. Um, all right, um, so we were watching uh, – I'm not sure everybody caught this, but we were watching uh, me and Mike – and uh friend Phil were watching the NBA finals last night at our um our friends uh, Hillary and Amelia's place last uh, we were watching it there and uh, Amelia actually caught this and there was a shot and Stefan I'm not sure if you guys caught this the shot when they were either coming back from commercial was from a park and it was that park in Lake Merritt where in the news famously like a week ago a couple of black some black people were trying to have a trying to have a barbecue in Lake Merritt and a good uh, old barbecue back there. yeah and then they tried to have a barbecue, and some lady called the cops on them because they were using charcoal, and um, it was, you know, it was just some white lady complaining about black people having a barbecue. And whoever was responsible for this on ESPN, of because what they did is there was like a statue there, and someone put a grill in front of that statue, so it looks like there's a statue of people barbecuing now. And whoever did this is a fucking hero, because th- no one's talking. Do you catch this stuff on? There was a moment coming out of like... <laughs> Like it was, that was amazing. I I did not
1: see this, (laughs) but I've seen so much merch in the area of that lady on her phone. Uh, My sister, who lives along Lake Merritt, and that whole area is just right outside of her apartment. I want to, for her birthday coming up this summer, get like a big fat head cutout of that lady on the phone. So it could just perpetually live on her patio overlooking the lake.
2: Dude, it was, by the way, uh, people don't know the end of the story. Is uh, After this happened, some a few hundred people had to p- cook out in Oakland the next day with plenty of charcoal grills. Because people, people in Oakland don't play this shit, man. All right? This is the Bay Area. Okay? So whoever did that, that was amazing. That was just well done. And um, Kendra Perkins' fat ass would lose a fist fight to Steph Curry. I'm telling you right now. I know the odds won't be great, but I got 10 bucks on Steph Curry sticking and moving around his fat ass. So that's me this week. Stefan, what do you got?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I've just really been enjoying the finals. Um, like Mark, there's some things coming up I'm really excited for. Mark mentioned uh, Ghost of Tsushima. I'm really looking forward to that game. Outside of Red Dead, that's probably one of my most anticipated games. Um, next week, the World Cup is starting again. Um, I love the World Cup. There's no America this year, no United States in it. So I'm looking for a country to support. Um, I haven't decided who I'm going to give my allegiance to in this year's World Cup. Uh, if you got any suggestions, well, I, I, got, a country, but I, I got a
2: country, but you're not going to want to support them. <laughs> not publicly. <laughs> my folks are there. Iran, away. yeah. My folks are I don't, there. I hope, my... I don't... my dad was like, do you want to go? God. And I'm just like, dad, I really don't need to go to Russia and sit in the Iran fan to section. <laughs> like, it's not going to gonna... <laughs> <support him>. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna do well for me, right? <laughs> You're
1: definitely ending up on a watch list yeah. after that. You know what, I'm already on a watch uh-huh. list. It's fine. But yeah, yeah no, love I, the I love, love the
2: World Cup, Cup too. I'm psyched, man. It's gonna even The lack of America sucks, but you know what? We'll get to the end and you know, we'll have Brazil and Spain and all that shit. And it'll be a good time.
1: I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to end up repping someone from either South America or Europe just because those are the those are the winners. Uh, but something I've been checking out that you can consume now. Uh, Bobby hit me up a few days ago mentioning that the Bluth stair car was doing its promotional tour down the freeway. Um, and I had gotten a notification for new episodes of Arrested Development, not knowing what it meant. Um, but then one of my friends, uh, Jay Rich, she was also mentioning to check it out because she's been enjoying it. But uh, they released something called uh, Season 4 of Arrested Development called Fateful Consequences. Now, if anyone out there is an Arrested Development fan, um, they remember that in the last episodes that were when they produced a new season, they were shot a bit differently just due to filming schedules. Um, Each episode seemed to be, like, one-character centric. Like, you'd have an episode that was all George Michael, an episode that was all George Sr., an episode that was all Job. Um, And that's just because of you know, shooting scheduled. A lot of them were working on different projects now. Um, so while they wanted to do rest Development, they couldn't all do it together. Um, so they went ahead and recut that entire season to make them make more chronological sense and air kind of in a classic episode where each episode kind of jumps between three and four storylines. Um, and that was my issue with that fourth season is certain characters, you kind of get diminishing returns from them when the entire episode is about them. You know, a lot of the characters are very eccentric, they're very over-the-top, and a lot of the jokes lose steam if you're hearing that same joke told for 20 minutes at a time. So uh, I've been watching it again. You know, again, they've recussed it, cut it to be in more chronological order and filmed in their more traditional style, and it's been really fun. Um, I've enjoyed it in a way that I did not really enjoy it watching it that first time through. So um, anyone who was an Arrested Development fan um, and kind of felt lukewarm about that last season, go check it out. It, it, it kind of does feel like more in the vein of the first three seasons and such a great comedy, um, really underrated for its time and really one of the shows that, you know, we have the streaming culture now and binge watching. Arrested Development was one of those first ones that really found life after it got canceled like that due to streaming services like early hulu and all those things
2: um so i definitely recommend checking that out just don't read that interview they did with the new york times make you feel very uncomfortable about the whole situation
3: and uh, maybe you guys could help me. It, it, new
2: is there a new season of Kimmy Schmidt too? That came out on Friday. Yeah, I yeah. That kind of it kind
3: of went under the radar too. I didn't hear much about it, and then I was just like, oh, I shit. think this is it.
2: I think that this might be it. Then they're gonna do like a movie one off, and that's gonna be it for them. I think with Kimmy Schmidt. That's
3: fair. Move on to a new
2: project. Yeah. Um, Mike, what do you got this week? Uh, Jesus. what I
0: have this week is um police shootings. Um, Jesus Christ. One in particular, though. It was likes a police shooting. This is stuff I like. Horror. It's not police shootings in general. It's just one in particular. It was a fun shooting. Um, a FBI agent was cutting quite a rug in uh, Denver, Colorado. If you watch the video, the man's got some moves. Um, he's really whipping it out. I mean, Steph, I mean, you're the dance expert here. I mean, don't oh, I don't <laughs> <to> you about <laughs> well um
1: no his, his backflip was clean it was a like clean except for the gun coming out
0: it was it was a great backflip he he hit it very well the only problem is with the g-forces he was pulling the uh the gun that he had it is uh it is I guess in the back of his pants came out and when he goes to pick it up it it discharged And uh, shot a, uh, I'm assuming, a very impressed, uh, you know, patron of that bar. Uh, The guy had to get rushed to the hospital, you know, luckily with non-life-threatening injuries. Um, If the guy had been seriously hurt or died, obviously this would not have been funny. But since the guy's going to be okay, it is
1: hilarious. I mean, it's a hell of a story, right? How did you get your uh, bullet wound? Man, this uh, dance, this breakdancing FBI agent was just cutting it in the dance circle, and shit was too much fire. It was too much fire, literally.
0: Well, you know what? That just goes to show you that the FBI does look from, for agents from all walks of life, because you never know
2: where you'll need another undercover agent in. True. All right, folks. Um, before we go, I want to give a quick uh, rest in peace. To the legend, the 49er legend, Dwight Clark, um, passed away. The catch. Yeah, the man who got the, maybe the greatest catch in Niner history. It's him, it's either that or that fucking T.O. one, but, uh, Dwight Clark, uh, passed away from, uh, he had ALS. Passed away today, so, rest in peace to him and, uh, condolences to his family. Um, we're gonna be back next week to do a show. Um, if this sounds a little wonky this week, uh, our bad, uh, you can blame Logitech and the piece of shit G930. Don't buy that. Um, let us down entirely. Let us down greatly. Um, and the micro USB cable Stefan normally uses. Let him down greatly too. So, uh, or mini, mini USB. Micro USB, he would have been fine. He has about 50 more. Um, so, yeah, um, do, our, do our best to come and do my best to clean this up. Make sure it's listenable. Um, and I'm just going to be honest with you guys. We had a real spike in listenership last week in what was the longest fucking show I think we've done since like episode 200. Well, a lot of it was us just, you know, half of us talking about liking Solo, the other half complaining about Solo. I don't think Mike it was that.
1: not being in a conversation and then jumping right into the conversation yeah, you, of know Sol- what, you know what, know,
2: I, I need you people who, like, who listen to this show and don't make it to the end, or, like, don't listen to the whole thing. We need to know, are we wasting our time with the first half of this show or the second half of this show, okay? Because just let us know, okay? More CM Punk, less CM Punk. Yeah, that, that, but there was that discussion, too. Jesus. <laughs> I think that's working. Do we from. An, I
1: have any are guesses? We, are, we an, are we an MMA podcast or are we a movie discussion? review? Dude, real podcast? talk, people.
2: listening. We have we got the most listeners we've had on this show since GSP fought Bisping, and if you take out that episode, it's the most since Cormier and Jones. So, um, like the UFC, we are determined. Our our success is determined by stars, and I know UFC 225 is loaded, but Bobby Knuckles and Yoel Romero aren't exactly you know <laughs> they aren't exactly you know on ESPN. God, Bobby uh, Rio Romero would do so bad on ESPN. That'd be a rough interview. You could only you could send him to talk to what's the name of the guy, the Cuban guy with his dad on the show, Mike.
0: That Dan Levitard.
2: Yo, know, we could send Yoel talk to Dan Levitard's dad. Never mind. ESPN, USC's part of the family now. Give me Yoel Romero talking to Dan Levitard's dad. All right, Poppy. <laughs> Let him talk to Poppy. Give us subtitles because God knows somebody's gonna offend somebody. You know, maybe make sure you all sits down doesn't goose step around the fucking st- studio, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, guys, we'll be back next week. Um, no mark. The rest of us are going to try to do this thing. Talked about the results of UFC 225. Going to see if we got any new champ We're going to see if we have a new champion at 185. We're going to see if we have a new fake interim champion at 170. We're going to see if Colby Covington's really going to get in a fight with Joe Rogan, which is the weirdest fucking things I saw. I saw this week. We're going to see if 145 for women is dead or if Megan Anderson's a contender. We're going to see if Tai Voss is for real. We're going to see... Me and me and Stefan are going to bask in the glory of CM Punk. You know? And if he loses, we're going to bask in his short-lived career and give, wish him happy trails as he goes to that all-in indie show in September. Uh, we're going to see if the Ream bus puts out a new episode. I'm just talking about the card now at this point, folks. We're going to see if Mursad Bektik can get past Ricardo Lamas. It's it's our new it's our new shtick, Bobby. At the end, right why would you think there's no this, MMA we just left We're start talking. talking more MMA. Got all of it out we're gonna see we're if, if Joseph if Benavidez's stupid ass M&M haircut, if the bleach got to his brain and is affecting his fighting style, man looks real bad. Real bad. It's hey, like a Bob, we only get one shot, all it's, right? It's rough. So okay. Thank you guys all for listening. We'll be back next week, as I mentioned, and peace out.
1: See ya. See ya.